Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Rettiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest today on the Dan's Talks podcast is Jim LaRocca, who is the mayor of Sag Harbor Village. And um, last time I saw you uh, was on the street when you were campaigning, I guess about two years ago, you was campaigning on Main Street, walking up and down the street. That was only last summer, actually. <laughs> I guess it must feel like two years. It feels like at least 10 years. But <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everybody meets everybody on the street every day, practically. And uh, all, everybody talks. It's almost like a living room. Which right. brings me to this uh, talk to you moment, for a few moments about this uh, photograph behind you and tell me about it and what you were pointing out, which looks like the Empire State Building in the back there. <laughs> okay, this is a 1905 photograph by uh, W.G. Howard, who was something of a chronicler of uh, the village uh, in that era. And in this picture, you'll see that in perfect alignment with Main Street is the church steeple on the old Whalers Church which in 1938 was blown right off the roof and into the cemetery. And uh, they've been talking about replacing it ever since. Yes, so, uh, as they talk about it. Yeah, so some of my colleagues and I have been talking about whether the various cell companies would like to talk with us about using a new steeple as a possible uh, place to house their cell towers. That's great. Cell, That's a great you know, idea. Uh, out of sight and safe and all of the other things. And uh, that might be one way to finally bring back the steeple, but it was a magnificent. Well, the steeple, when it was built, was the tallest uh, structure on Long Island for a long period of time. Right. And in this very unusual Greek Gothic style, uh, which is still evident in the church building itself. And so... I just said, I'm sorry to say, Greg, it was Egyptian Gothic. And uh, it's, um, you know, one of our key landmarks. And I think everybody would be pleased to see it come back, particularly if it improved the miserable cell service that we have. (laughs) That's one of the things on my long list. Spend a minute or two telling me about your connection with Sag Harbor, if you were born here or you came here, how did you get here? what your training I was is. Born and, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. You may have heard of Brooklyn. Um, part of Brooklyn where the Verrazano Bridge came ashore. I was growing up, uh, they were building this bridge to Staten Island. Yeah. Uh, as it happened, they built the right of the uh, approach to the bridge right through the uh, couple of blocks that my grandfather had built in Bay Ridge. So we lost half our street to the 278, which was a you know, bitter, bitter event for people in Brooklyn, but uh, grew up there, New York City Public Schools, um, Hofstra University on Long Island. I was a U.S. Naval officer uh, after college. Uh, After that, I came home and went to work on Capitol Hill, working for members of the New York uh, congressional delegation. In a very colorful time, we had Bella Abzug and Shirley Chisholm and Jim Delaney and Jack Kemp 
and uh, eventually Pat Moynihan. Good, good colorful years. people. Very colorful delegation. Uh, when you carry uh, local fame, having spent uh, all his vacation life on, on Shelter Island, right. uh, a lot of his retirement there, uh, went to Albany. Uh, he appointed me as his man in Washington and then as his first commissioner of energy, chairman of the New York State Energy Research and Development Commissioner, a trustee of the New York Power Authority. Uh, when Mario Cuomo was elected, I moved over to the Department of Transportation. I was the DOT commissioner, secretary for the state. And then I went to the private sector for the next 20 years or so, then came in and out of government. I came back in to take a term on the Public Service Commission, um, then out again. And eventually uh, what brought me to the East End was in 2000, I had been teaching uh, occasionally at Long Island University and I was recruited by the president to become dean of Southampton College. And I, uh, that's when we came east on a full-time basis. Um, we had been living on the North Shore of Long Island in uh, a place called Lloyd Harbor. It's on Cold Spring Harbor. And um, we've been here ever since, 22 years now. And uh, what's the attraction of St. Harbor for you? Just take a look around. Uh, we started coming here. I think the first, I have a wonderful family trip uh, picture from when I was probably seven or eight years old and my uh, uh, two brothers and a sister taken at the lighthouse with my parents on a summer trip. I remember it well, we were at the Bridge Hampton, had the uh, Automobile Museum, which was a right. great treat for kids in those days. And we would come out and you could get a, a cabin or a bungalow you know, for a few days or a week or so. And I didn't start coming regularly until I started sailing and we had our own sailboat. From, we'd sail out from Huntington, sail here to Sag Harbor, over to Block, up into New England. And so all those years, my parents had a house in Southold. And so in those years, uh, this was an easy boat ride over. And uh, my little brother was still home when I went away to the Navy and then came home. And he brought me over here to introduce me to the various establishments on Main Street. <laughs> I remember going to the uh, Black Swan, really the place of record if you're going to come to Sag Harbor. And my brother was about 14 and a half or so. We walked into the bartender said to him, hey, Larry, it's good to see you. Uh -huh. said, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, it's a very casual, you know, uh, uh, sort of village. Anyway, I've been loving the place ever since. When I became dean of the college, we came um, into town and we've been here ever since. We live in a very nice house just up the street. Um, it's not quite historic, but it looks very historic. And uh, uh, we've been at it ever since. I got drafted into village government by Brian McBride, uh, who, uh, Gilbride, who uh, appointed me to the planning board when I left my last assignment in the state. And then Sandra Schroeder appointed me to her a trustee seat when she moved up as mayor. And then last summer, last spring, I decided to run for mayor uh, in my own right. And that's what I did. And uh, uh, it worked out well. And I've been in this office ever since. Well, it's been a busy year. And uh, I, I mentioned to you before we started that I wanted to hear a little bit about the plan for um, the uh, shore, the coastline. When uh, Sandra first approached me about taking her seat, 
I, I hadn't met her before that. And I said, well, you don't know me. And uh, so forth. She said, I know all about you and I want you to come in and um, we need uh, waterfronts under a lot of challenge. And uh, we have some derelict buildings down there now and so forth. And so I came on with the focus on the waterfront. And we also had the wharf, uh, which we had gotten for a dollar uh, from the, the we needed four million dollars to, <laughs> to, to get a hundred years up to date, you know. This so why you got it for a dollar, yes. Yeah, I mean, when it's, you know, <laughs> check it out. So the next time somebody offers your property for a dollar, take a good hard right. look. Right. But anyway, um, quickly figured out that the property at 135 Ferry Road, where the uh, Remkes family and the Diner family had had their businesses over the years, well, were now defunct, changed hands many times. Uh, that it would make an ideal addition to the parkland on the waterfront because our waterfront went from being our principal economic asset in terms of um, you know, railroad connections and agricultural shipping and whaling and all of those things over the years. Um, our economy has basically become a tourist and recreational economy with a very strong arts economy. And so um, and I did this all over the state when I was at TOT, as communities evolved away from commercial waterfronts, it was very important that they got the next chapter right. Up in Corning, New York, uh, we turned around the downtown. So instead of the downtown having its back to the waterfront, right, up through the river, we did it in Little Falls along uh, uh, in the uh, Mohawk Valley. So uh, a lot of places where this was a good idea and it's a good idea here. So we've been opening up the waterfront as part of our tourist and recreational and environmental orientation. And uh, we opened Steinbeck Park, that'll be three years this summer. And we uh, have another CPF Community Preservation Fund application in to add it uh, another uh, half acre to the park. So that at the foot of Main Street, what we'll have is um, an open uh, uh, green space right down to the water looking uh, directly to the west and northwest. And uh, we've got the first uh, acre and a quarter in place now for a couple of years. We had the music festival there this year. We have part of Harbor Fest there. Um, we are increasingly uh, using it and discovering it as part of the recreational inventory, but with, and in these years, we also finished the uh, rebuild and rehabilitation of the Long Wharf. And just this week, we finished the uh, a walkway along the beach part of Steinbeck Park. We named the, the new park for John Steinbeck, who lived here for 16 years. Um, and it's a fully ADA, American Disabilities Act compliant, so it connects under the Harder Bridge right. to the Long Wharf and Windmill Beach. So our waterfront is coming together. Where are you going to expand it? Point. You said you were going to expand it? And well, it we, we have an application that we're supporting for the, what we now call the Capasa building. Uh, that's two Main Street. It had been the Superica building. Yes. There, uh, those shops there. That is currently before the Community Preservation Fund for Southampton to acquire it uh, for an addition to the park. Right. Um, and um, uh, very excited about that. Hope we can get get it all 
pieces in place for that. So that would add about 50% more to the park. Would, as you it, said, it would be open up, you'd see it. It would open up the waterfront. You'd see it, uh, you know, where Village Hall is, where I'm talking to you yeah. now, just out the door and to the right, you'll be able to look right down to the far end of the street and it'll be open instead of that big red brick building. I know that's good. open space. You know it well, I know. Super Rico was originally a gas station, I believe. It's amazing to me historically that there were like five gas stations in this little village. <laughs> and well, people you know, had, had, had fixing in their cars uh, back yeah, then. Well, now we even had one fixed. We even had one on Main Street, on the other side of Main Street from Village Hall up in front of a store. Somebody had a pump. <laughs> so I guess uh, now we're down to two stations in town. Let me ask you about um, the. Uh, park surface itself. Right now I was walking around on it. It's it's grassy but lumpy. It's uh you need no. to they, will they see that again and begin to we're at a point now with the walk completed and uh we're closing the fence to the properties to the e uh, to the west. Uh the landscaping is beginning this week. Oh wonderful we're gonna put hydrangeas all along the fence. We're planting all native species around the new walkway and on the beach, beach grass of various kinds that are all truly native. And uh, uh, we will sod and uh, overseed as necessary. But yeah, I don't know how it got so lumpy, except that uh, everything we do down there, we sort of wait for donations and somebody right. donated <laughs> some topsoil to us that seemed to have a few extra lumps in it. But anyway. But the, so, uh, and what, what's going to happen with Bay Street? Can you give me a rough idea anyway? I know it's in, it's a, sort of a, something that people are discussing at this point. Bay Street Theater has been here for 31 or 32 years. Yeah. Um, always, uh, the sky always seems to be falling, that they're going to lose their lease at the, <laughs> on the wharf on the Malloy property. Uh, and they came forward a few years ago with a plan to put a new theater on the waterfront. Uh, that played to mixed reviews at best. And uh, they have not yet, three years later, applied to do anything. So uh, the status of it is at this point very much a mystery because they still have not applied to actually build anything on the waterfront or anywhere else. They did acquire through a collateral organization, they acquired the, uh, the old 7-Eleven building and they're going to touch their property, but and that's the property they presumably will want to build on. And they have projected a few conceptual drawings once or twice, but as of right now, there is no application. So you really have to ask Bay Street what the next move is. Um, well, is the 7 Eleven building slated to be torn down by them or by you or anybody? It's, well, we don't tear we don't tear things down. The village government, um, okay. if um, the um, CPF acquires the Capasa building, right? And uh, the condition of acceptance by the town is that the owner has to uh, uh, deliver it cleared to yeah. the CPF. So, as far as the 7-Eleven building, uh, we don't know what they're proposing to do. They say they want to take it down and build a new theater, much bigger than their existing theater. Um, again, this is all playing to mixed reviews, but. Um, they haven't applied, so it's very hard to speculate about what it might be ultimately. Uh, I'm anxious for them to tell us in as much detail as exists what the plan is. They need yeah. to let us know the plan. 
What Besides the Steeple, which is an amazing idea, is, uh, is uh, on the village plate right now. Well, very much on our plate uh, is uh, the problem of affordable housing. Yeah. Uh, we have a village where uh, our young people can't afford to uh, get their start, and uh, older people uh, who might want to downsize but stay in the community where they've had their lives um, can't afford to, can't find uh, smaller sized, downsized properties. So we have a, um, a series of bills on our calendar uh, to create um, the process for creating affordable housing. Um, smaller units, um, something much like Main Street where we have commerce on the first level and then one or two stories above of smaller apartments, one and two bedroom apartments. We're gonna to try to get, uh, we're inviting projects on the west of Main Street where the parking lots are and back in those properties. We'd like to hear proposals there. We've spotted some other relatively smaller properties where you might get eight or 10 units uh, of affordable housing. So um, I would say that's very high in our priorities because of the increased uh, a lack of stratification in this community. We have more and more uh, second home people who many of whom have now become you know, primary residents um, uh, of some level of wealth that's uh, not what we've had before. And so it's made very hard for young people uh, to who wanna stay here, particularly if they have their roots here, um, and without some inventory of affordable housing. So that I would say for this year is probably our biggest uh, priority. Um, one of the things that concerned me was that the village has done a terrific job in keeping the downtown stores lo locally owned. I remember when uh, I guess CVS was unsuccessful and so forth. Now what's going on, and I wanted to ask about how you can deal with this, is you can go into a store and which used to sell trinkets and whatever, and they have bathing suits for $800. <laughs> and uh, that's not going to fly, you know, with with, uh, with with a middle class community. And I wondered, is there anything you can do with that? We don't have. I, I hate to ever give a cop out answer, but the village doesn't have an awful lot of authority over how that market works. Um, on Washington Street, this nice little street just around the corner here, um, the. Uh, County legislature had rented a first floor of a very attractive building there for the county legislator from, from the South Fork. It was uh, for a long time, Jay Schneiderman. Uh, now it's Bridget Fleming. Yep. Bridget uh, told me recently that she has had to move the office back into Southampton Village or town because the rent on that space when the building was recently sold went from $3,000 a month to $10,400 a month. Right. And the tenant upstairs went from $3,000 to $8,000 a month. That tells you in heartbreaking detail right. what's going on here. What authority we have? Not very much. We don't have rent controls here. We don't have rent stabilization. Any of those tools a larger government might have. Uh, what we try to do now is trying to do is create additional inventory under the programs for... Uh, economic development that the state and the county have and with our own resources and using tax uh, 
advantages like a tax abatement and credits and all that kind of thing. Uh, but to try to manage the uh, inventory uh, or at least incent the inventory to be more balanced than it is. But the real problem we have is a wave of very wealthy buyers. And we're a country that believes in markets. And this market right now is killing us. Um, people are like to see the money and the new construction and all of that, but it's changing the character of the village. And not just here, but uh, you've been here for much longer than I have. Montauk is changing as we speak. Uh, and these markets um, are basically unrestrained. I think where we can step in is to have more thoughtful public policy that encourages the possibility of affordability for more people. Is there any way to prevent things happening where you have giant houses built next to what was a street that had small houses on it? Well, we've put, uh, we just completed a, an overlay district for the waterfront and the board of trustees headed by this mayor or any mayor, future mayor, uh, will now have authority, ultimate authority over any uh, construction, 3,500 square feet or larger. So we've taken on a tool that we never had before. Right. In the rest of the community, um, the reconciliation of all of those values, size, character, location, um, site plans, all of that is in the hands of our independent boards. We've been giving them more tools to work. Uh, and one of them is that in that measure of character of a new property, um, fitting into the location where it is, one of the things they now look at more carefully than before, because it wasn't a problem before, is where somebody comes along and uh, outsizes a new property, a new building, that um, uh, somebody very sadly said to me one day, our house feels shamed now uh, with this enormous neighbor. We feel like the poor relation. Right. And it's a very sad sentiment, but if you're uh, and like up on the turn on Sag Road, we have communities that's grown organically, a lot of mix of houses, roughly a similar size and everything, but not a cookie cutter subdivision where all the houses were the same. It's grown right. very nicely, but some of the bigger lots are being grabbed. They tear down the old house. They put a 6,000 square foot house. Uh, right now, the law allows that. So we are trying, we're struggling with what tools are available to a small municipal government to try to restrain that. Um, and so far we haven't come up with uh, too many tools. The thing that helps more than anything else is that we have no vacant lots left in the village to speak of, fewer mm -hmm. than 20. So um, the lots are in large measure smaller than a lot of these big house builders want. So that keeps the market a little bit sane. Well, you have these, there, isn't it like in Ninva and uh, I guess along Garden Street, you know, there aren't there rules prohibiting sizes? Um, at East Hampton Village has rules like that. Well, yeah, you don't have, um, uh, we have all of the tools everybody has, ground, gross floor area regulations, pyramid laws, yeah. setback laws, all of that stuff. But uh, the pressure um, uh, to uh, keep that 
restrained his uh, uh, and uh, on the part of the village and the pressure on the part of builders to go bigger uh, is a constant struggle in the way we manage our land use in this village. Good to have you on the show and, and uh, appreciate you taking the time to do this. My guest is Benjamin LaRocca, the mayor of Sag Harbor. And it's a pleasure for me to be in conversation with a legendary figure like yourself. Thank you, sir. <laughs> anyway, take care, Dan. It's good to see Bye. you. You too. Take care.